Hey there, everyone. Happy Tuesday, or happy Tuesday for those who are listening the day of the release, I guess, or happen to be listening some other Tuesday. Uh, you, you get it. It's me, DM Nathan, here to introduce you to today's very special six-month Q&A episode. When we began, we had no way of knowing the response we have received from the world outside of our circle of friends in real life. And even then, we were a little skeptical. But having an engaged audience who gets and enjoys what we're trying to do here has been a really incredible experience. And we thought that this would be a nice way to say thank you while giving you a little bit more about the who, what, where, and why of Reckless Attack. Now, we got a huge outpouring of awesome questions when we turned to our Twitter followers for prompts, which was a problem exacerbated by how excited we were to answer all of them. So in addition to this hour-long episode, there is a second Q&A available for those who subscribe to our Patreon that covers even more questions like how we world-built for Reckless Attack, TPKs, the totally real beef with the Planet Arcana podcast, and Life Lessons Learned through TTRPGs and podcasting. We hope you enjoy the episode, and don't worry, we will be back to our normally scheduled episodes next week. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Reckless Attack Q&A episode. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know everybody's excited about that. So this is due to us hitting a couple of milestones. First of all, we have been now recording for about six months. Yeah. So a full half year. And also, we have recently gotten to 1,500 followers on what is known as the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> So we, we decided to create a quick post and <laughs> and see if there were any questions that any of our followers had that we could go through and answer. And thank you, Nathan, for for curating a lot of these and, and kind of grouping some together. There were yep. some, some similar ones. Oh, and Sophie. Yes. Thank you, Sophie. You got um, it. I copy and pasted from Twitter. Yes. <laughs> well, right. But, but curate sounds much better for the yes. both of us, Steve, yeah. Sophie. So if you could just be cool. <laughs> Curate goes on the resume. <laughs> Copy paste yeah. does not. <laughs> True. So we are going to. Uh, we have a, a list of questions here that came either to that either look like they're going to be asked to specific members or just to the group in general. There are a couple that I am actually excited to answer. You're not excited to answer. <laughs> what about all the other ones? Steve? Uh, the the yeah. other ones. Everybody else in various capacities is excited to answer. Good save, good save. So just me personally, there are some that I I read that and I went, oh, that's a great question. And I am actually looking forward to to answering that one. So hopefully everybody is settled in and we will kind of kick off with the top of the list here. There are are several questions that were for everyone. So we'll kind of start with those and work our way into the more specific questions to specific uh, members of Reckless Attack. Question number one. How did you all come together as a group? I gotta, I gotta give props to Nathan for this one. Yeah, well, yeah, props and desperation, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the the short answer is a campaign that I had been running ended because of a pregnancy, 
Uh, and they were like, hey, we're just not, we can't play huh. D&D for quite a while. <laughs> as, because as it happens, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that, that, that answer is whether it was an in-game pregnancy or a real life no, pregnancy. No, it was a, an actual <laughs> meat space human who was creating another meat space human with another member of that campaign on purpose, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but knowing that that was going to happen, and I don't remember if I had already had a pause in between campaigns i in a desperation ploy posted on facebook as was the style at the time and was just like hey i'm looking to start another DD campaign and this was when you know 5e was still new but in the public consciousness and and you know i thought i could maybe get some good hooks just throwing it out there and i really didn't i got <laughs> oh <laughs> i really not a lot of people reached out but the people who did reach out was one friend whose name is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. I don't know if you're listening, but hi. But was also Sophie, who tagged David. Who I uh, did not I, volunteer to play. You had, <laughs> you had not volunteered to play. You, yes, only only I was volunteered. And then I was like, I, I unoed, I reversed unoed Sophie and said, hey, what if we play together? Yeah. It really escalated quickly, where suddenly I, I went from a Sophie to a Zhang to two Zhangs and a Sophie, uh, <laughs> and immediately that was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was just the just the four of us at first, and I hadn't really I had met, you know, met David a little bit and hung out a little bit, and had known Sophie, who was a friend of my now wife. So it was just like, cool. Well, like let's do a one shot or a couple sessions, get a feel for it, see how it goes. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was definitely a lot of like figuring out each other's little nuances and preferences and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like an immediate, like, Oh, this is perfection. If you, you know, if you went back, <laughs> this is reckless attack in a nutshell, but it was still fun. And like good D and D is still great D and D. And then I can't remember if we were looking for an additional person or if, I had put out another call or what, but then Steve entered the scene also on Facebook, as was the style at the time. Steve, take it away. Uh, yes. So I responded to Nathan's post on Facebook since uh, we were friends. Uh, if you had listened to the other Reckless uh, Talks where we kind all, of talked about meeting up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Nathan had uh, had been in our local game store doing research sort of as a uh, kind of into the gaming um, uh, subculture subculture okay yeah uh, so I, I was one of the people that he had interviewed and we became friends and, and we were friends on Facebook and I saw that he had posted that he was looking to, to start running for a group and it's been my experience that there's a lot of people that want to play but not a whole uh, a very small subset of those people actually want to run yeah uh, <laughs> And so I, my thinking was, hey, uh, fifth edition is relatively new at this mm -hmm. point, and it should be something that uh, it, it looks like it's it's kind of the direction that D and D is going. So I figured I should probably get in on some games and maybe learn the rules a little bit because they are, while they are similar to three point five, I didn't play a lot of three point five or four really, but they are vastly different from first and second edition, which is what I was used to. Yeah. So I figured I would I would jump in, and that's where I found out that the Zangs were were in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and because uh, I had played a lot of Pathfinder with them at the the game store as well. 
Yeah, that first meeting was bananas because we yeah. we all met at Nathan's apartment, like in his little side room, and it was just like that Spider-Man meme, but yep. with, with all of us pointing at each other. Except oh, right. me, yeah. I was standing outside yeah. the Spider-Man circle, just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> and we're like, hey, I know you. <laughs> It yeah, was so no, weird no. because, you know, and, and Steve and I had talked a little bit on Facebook because this was years later that, you know, after college and all of that. And we, you know, we actually interacted a, a good amount on Facebook, but hadn't hung out or anything like that. So for me, the idea that you know, and maybe I had even vaguely known that you maybe knew each other or something. But yeah, it was more just to like, eh, yeah, just like show up to my house and we'll get something going. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like, wait a second. Actually, they all know each other and have all played together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. weird and great. And also, oh, no. And are not like accidentally mortal enemies or something. And right. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. That was a good, good point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. In an alternate universe, that probably right. could have happened. And then, yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, it was just we we started playing and I still remember a lot, a lot of details of that first adventure we played together. Mm. It was just like a repurposed uh, Adventurers League adventure. I think uh, Outlaws of the Iron Route. That was the first. Is that what it was called? That was what it was called. That was the name of it. It's actually a weird, nifty little adventure. Uh, I encourage you to look it up. And... Then we played through that. You know, I, I was still definitely taking it kind of an adventure at a time. Be like, well, let's see if we're enjoying it. And I don't think Sophie and the Zangs had played any 5e at that I point. I definitely had not. And I, this is the first I am realizing Steve had not played 5e before. I yeah, thought same. he like, yeah. was a master of this edition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was actually also news to me just now. And we literally <laughs> talked about this moment uh, in yeah, a long like, form interview not well, long ago. It was, uh, I should say I had, I, like I had picked up the books. So I had a basic understanding. And Steve's there basic was... understanding is deep lore yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Mastery. <laughs> But I, I, I didn't have like the like I still don't know what all of the conditions do. Oh, well, like, no. know, yeah, I mean, you know, who it, does? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and so at least now I have a better understanding of bonus action versus action versus reaction versus you we, know, we barely versus use movement. those, to be honest, in, in <laughs> reckless attack. Like, <laughs> no. Oh, please. You, you say that as if as if you have not painstakingly thought out, that out is yeah, multiple like, that is optimal action bonus action move uh -huh. combinations for level seven Kaskarin. <laughs> which we will but, reach in approximately three years yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we'll you'll level up faster damn it i've told you that um no but so i was taking it very adventure at a time and again especially not knowing like knowing that the zangs especially enjoyed a lot of the crunch mm -hmm. of older editions and knowing that 5e is not that, at least comparatively, and this all being a fairly new-to-me group. Like, again, I knew these people, but I hadn't really gamed with them for very long. And then just, like, we kind of kept going. Like, we finished our one adventure, and then everyone's like, well, let's, if everyone else wants to, we'll keep playing. And so we did, and I just kept, like, putting railroad tracks down, you know, <laughs> as we were going, and, and then it spiraled out of control, yada, yada, Reckless Attack podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we it it's kind of crazy actually meeting yeah. a new group and like playing Dungeons and Dragons with them and deciding mm -hmm. like, oh, I do actually want to keep doing this. Like, do you guys want to keep doing this? I was gonna say it really felt I, if, as I recall, and again, this was what like we've talked about it a number of times. This is like four or five years ago now, maybe twenty sixteen, I think. 
Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Was it 2016? Wow. Yeah. I, I think, because I remember that we had a spreadsheet of all of the NPCs and all the timelines. Yes. Both in the real world and in the campaign world. And I think that started October 2016. Jeez. Wow. Oh, my God. So I volunteered you for a D&D group, like... Six months into dating, yeah, I was taking yeah. a chance Correct. on you. Yeah, <laughs> do you want to meet all of my friends and also start podcast? <laughs> do you want to meet my and... best friend's long-term boyfriend? Because if this doesn't work out, man, I could be stuck. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, Sophie, you technically, technically, you put this on me. I did. I'm sorry. I worked. <laughs> you set me up. Nathan. Yeah, right. We could have really trapped each other. This could have been a whole thing. <laughs> it could have been yeah. very bad, but it wasn't. And it, again, Glad yada yada yada. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember it being being a decision point essentially where it's like okay so like we were still feeling each other out and still learning the system and still learning the dynamics and what kind of stories we liked and also i was a very still a very new dm and so i was still kind of learning the more like strategic cerebral people management and expectation management side i still am but like especially in 2016 but yeah, it was just kind of like we finished the one adventure. It was a lot of fun. It was weird. It was off the rails, but all into like a good spirit of fun. And then, yeah, it was just like a decision point where it's like, cool, we're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then we just did and things just kept expanding and expanding from there. So, yeah, it was really weird and interesting how how we got to today. Our next question is also from that gamer Ajax. And the question is, what made you decide to make Reckless Attack what it is? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. I'm just thinking, like, what made us decide to want to do a podcast in the first place? Mm, Good place to start. I feel like it was an idea that had been kind of, like, bouncing around in people's heads for a while. And I remember distinctly you, Nathan, kind of coming to you know my brother and I and saying hey like I've always wanted to do a podcast I feel like this would be a great group for it we were already kind of in the habit of putting an iPhone into the table and recording mm-hmm. it for future purposes so I feel like it just became like this idea that started off because we both you and I you know others had always kind of wanted to do a podcast and we finally said no this is the right time and the right people to do it with so that I feel like was kind of the, the beginnings of Reckless Attack I don't maybe I'm maybe misremembering some some Mm -mm. stuff but at minimum that's what i've always said during interviews is i literally (laughs) kept i literally kept putting my phone in the middle of the table because i'd heard that listening to your own dming and your own gaming can help you grow as a as a dm and it did um i'd really recommend it not just for podcast purposes Mm -hmm. and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I love a lot of podcasts and I also don't like a lot of podcasts. <laughs> and so for me to then listen to those recordings of us all playing, and this was towards the end of our campaign. So we were all like settled into our characters, settled in as a group. Um, but, but, and I liked it, like not just because it was, ah, oh, it's us and that's fun. But I, I quickly turned to like, well, would I listen to this? Yeah. And yeah. the answer was yes. And I thought that if, my enjoyment superseded my hyper self-criticism and anxiety (laughs) and all these other things then like ooh maybe maybe this is actually pretty good uh and it turns out it was and i i remember too we had a lot of sessions where we thought like hey what if we took like better notes or what if we recorded (laughs) this and this would really help us 
you know, remember what was going on through this multi-years-long campaign. And then also, too, we just had a lot of what I felt were really phenomenal sessions. And mm-hmm. we were like, that was a lot of fun. I wish we had recorded that so we could listen to it later, you know, just for yeah. us. Oh, uh, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that came out of it... so we were doing some test recording for what would eventually become Reckless Attack. And when we started off, we started off with a, a couple of battles and we had the battle mat out. And so it was just a dry erase uh, map out and we kind of placed our characters and we were trying to, we were trying to accurately describe where our characters were on this map because we knew that we wouldn't be having video along with this. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we might have would be maybe pictures up on the website of the, the battle map itself in different stages. So we were trying to figure out how much detail we had to go into in order for somebody who is listening to be able to follow the combat. When we actually started doing our recording, one of our first battles was just theater of the mind. Like we, we didn't have a battle map and we discovered that it was actually much easier to follow what was going on when we actually didn't have a map in front of us to tell us exactly where we were. And it was just all based on description because Nathan had to describe the area to us so we understood it. And then by doing that, the listener would understand it. Mm-hmm. And then we had to describe where we're going and what we're doing so that Nathan and the other players would understand it. And therefore, the people listening would be able to follow it. And so I thought that that was kind of a nice little happy accident that came out oh, yeah. of our early playtests of what we wanted to do was the fact that now all of our, uh, or at least our battles up until this point, have been theater of their mind even though it could be incredibly complex with just the number of characters on the field, as was uh, shown in the battle with the Grungs. Yes. <laughs> um, we still have the the battle mat out for things like that has our initiative order in it and you know how many of this creature there are, how many of that creature there are. But at least we were, were able to describe it in enough detail, I think, that it is able to be followed by somebody listening with no visual cues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a really good lesson for us, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing that I would add is like in our conversations, it was pretty clear. And I had known this already because we'd been playing together for a long time. But there was definitely a sense that we were all excited to be good guys and, you know, and and throw whatever uh, asterisks or whatever you need to alongside checkers. But ultimately we wanted to, you know, everyone wanted to be a good guy. We wanted to save the world. We wanted to make the world a better, brighter place, especially I would imagine, at least for me personally during COVID, that was a nice, <laughs> a nice idea. Yes, yes. And so that, that I think we all agreed very early was what our vibe was and what we wanted and what we wanted to be, how we wanted to like, set ourselves up where obviously there'd be character growth there'd be flaws there would be confrontations there'd be all the all the drama you want but at the end of the day this was a show about good people choosing to make a difference in the world and that i think is also a very core part of reckless attack and kind of this campaign and i i kind of want to add something to all that too because i remember when we were first discussing the idea of doing a podcast and trying to figure out like what kind of podcast do we want? Because at the time that we started, I think there's a lot of D&D podcasts out there, you know, with a lot of different focuses, a lot of different people on them. And we were just trying to figure out, like, what do we want to do for a podcast? You know, we're playing D&D. That's, that's great. But do we have, like, a hook or an angle? Or, like, how do we want to present ourselves? 
And I just distinctly remember this idea of like, well, we just want this to be the best version of our home game that we can make it. Like, we just want to have a ton of fun doing it. And if it makes us happy, that's that's what we're shooting for. And hopefully other people enjoy it too. Yep. And that's always our our singular goal is is be sure to, that's it's centered around making sure that we're not burning ourselves out as much as possible and that we're just doing what we think is fun and cool and not you know worrying a little bit about the audience, mm-hmm. but not to the point where we're changing what our instincts tell us and what we know we will enjoy and what we know the other people at the table will enjoy and make laugh and make cry and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then just hope everyone else feels the same. Our next question is, I I believe, directed mostly towards Jonathan as our somewhat official timekeeper when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to our our podcast. But this one comes from at Rahab Akatriel. Uh, Kaya. Yeah, that's Kaya. Hi, Kaya. Kaya. And the the question is, how much time does recording each episode take in real life Mm -hmm. and how much of it gets trimmed out to produce the episodes we hear? Yeah, absolutely. So I can take this one because I act, as Steve said, <laughs> as kind of like the unofficial timekeeper slash I also edit the episodes too, in addition to the rest of our wonderful editing team. So what our structure looks like is we meet ideally three three times a month, sometimes more, and we'll record for about three-ish hours with the goal of getting two episodes done in those three hours. Each of our episodes starts off as like maybe like an hour 15 ish. And what I do is like I literally have little like red, green, like, you know, red, green, yellow card stoplight colors that I wave at Nathan when we're like (laughs) almost, you know, 15 minutes away from our time limit, 10 minutes and then five minutes just so that, you know, we know when to kind of move it towards the end of what might be like a cliffhanger or the end of an episode. So we start off with like maybe an hour 15. Sometimes it, it actually frequently goes longer than that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first uh, we'll go episode, like an hour 15, hour, half, hour and a half. Sophie, you were saying something? Yeah, I was just going to say the first episode is there is 20 minutes of shooting the shit that we cut. And we <laughs> oh, have yes. to like, we have to, when editing, yeah. we have to just, I just skip five minute increments and like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, go back two and a half minutes. Mm, still shooting yeah, shit. The, okay, go forward. The first, yeah. the first twenty minutes of every recording yeah. is us just mm-hmm. being huge dorks. That does <laughs> that doesn't make it into the podcast because no. we cannot we cannot show that level of, of chaotic energy. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's yeah, true nonsense. But you know, if subscribe to our Patreon and sometimes you can hear some of it in in, uh, in outtakes. Out, outtakes. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. But that's also kind of why we uh, record for so long, I guess, because like a good half hour, 40 minutes is just us talking. Uh, and then we actually start, start playing and yeah. recording. <laughs> and that takes about five attempts to. And yeah. Yeah. It's a whole. <laughs> but then each of those like hour and a half ish episodes gets cut down fairly significantly. Like, again, Sophie was like the good like first five, 10 minutes is just nonsense. But then we go from like an hour 15 to maybe like closer to an hour or 50 minutes even sometimes. Mm-hmm. So... We cut a decent amount, I would say. Our next questions, we have kind of a, a two-parter here or a three-parter here for Sophie, if you are ready to oh, answer. Three-parter for um, me? Dang. <laughs> uh, the first one is from our friends at DN Disaster Story, which starts off as, what is Val? Because she definitely <laughs> isn't human. And the second part of that is from Chase the Ghost, who says, Val is very human despite her asterisk. (laughs) How does it feel, or how did it feel, to hold on to this major detail for so long? 
What concept do you enjoy most about being human? Human asterisk. Human, human asterisk. asterisk. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So I will not reveal what Val yeah. is. If you yeah, are dying yeah. to know, please feel free to go to our website and then use that to go to D&D Beyond to check out Val's character sheet. Yes. <laughs> it's listed there. I've tried to drop subtle hints. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like there's one thing Val does that's very clear. As it's like a yeah. <laughs> racial trait of hers. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's come up a couple times. Yeah. Though, like, for, as I like to describe myself, a casual D&Der, yes. I would have no clue. I'd be like, oh, that's just something cool they do. It's like yeah. some feat or something. I would, ha- I would not take the time to like, go look it up in the player's handbook. <laughs> yeah, like, I wouldn't be familiar with it either. Um, but, yeah, she is very, very human. Very asterisky. <laughs> Both parts. Both yes. parts. So, uh, which I, I guess the question is, which racial trait gives you the ability to juggle that many notebooks at a single time? <laughs> that is just years of training. Yeah, ah, that's just okay. a Val trait. I think. That is a Val yeah, trait. That's a okay. Val trait. That is from the time, very young age, going with her mom to the illustrious Atheum. Like, her mom would have just, like, I don't know what they're called. It's not like a baby Bjorn. It's like that wrap that you can just, like, wrap (laughs) a baby to yourself. And her mom would have taken Val, like, the second she could back to the Atheum and just started researching and working and meeting with people and teaching them things. So Val would, even as, like, a toddler... You know, when she had the focus be trying to learn or I can imagine a toddler Val being like, I'm going to teach other toddlers how to do this. A hundred percent. Yeah. So juggling notebooks is years and years of hard work and practice. Yeah. And the, the other part of that being you, Sophie, that has been something that we talked about very early on and kind of continue workshopping forever and checking in with each other a little mm-hmm. bit about. But so what has it been like, especially knowing that there are actually people hungry to know the answer? What has that experience been for you to just continue just to just to have that secret in your back pocket and know that you can bring it out whenever you want or not or whenever it comes up? What's that what's that been like to have that going? Pressure to not just blab it because like, I feel like I feel like the reveal is going to be me just accidentally saying what is happening. <laughs> just like in our intro one day, just like accidentally. Oh, I'm Val. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Val, though the redacted, redacted. Yeah, yeah right. We'll yeah. bleep it out. Don't worry, Sophie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I. This is the first time I've had like a secret for my D and D character, and I haven't had that many, but especially with Umbra. Umbra was an open book. She, Except for the murders she did <laughs> that she was on the run from. If anyone would have asked her, she would have said <laughs> <laughs> They were really she never came up. Yeah, yeah, we just were asking the right questions. Right questions. Yeah, uh-huh. you know. Those were questions for Alejandra, her <laughs> secret identity, <laughs> her cover. God, I forgot about Alejandra. Yeah. Did I miss any of the three parts? So it was, how does it feel or how it fe- how did it feel to hold on to the major detail for so long? I'm uh, still holding on to it. It's, it's staying secret until I accidentally <laughs> blurt it out. 
And what concept do you enjoy most about being human asterisk? I think the concept I enjoy most is part of the reveal that is to come. And it's something Nathan and I side chat about and talk about how we will incorporate it into the story and kind of how it's playing out in the background. And it's just a little bit of the, the little crumbs I have laid so far. It's just like waggling his eyebrows at us because <laughs> we're on video too. I've had so many secret conversations with so many of you over the years and relatively few with Sophie. And so it's, it's between this and the grand reveal of the desk of doing, oh I've had so <laughs> like 200% more secret reveals and secret side chats with Sophie. And so it is just like extra delicious for me. <laughs> All right. So our next question in the uh, chase the ghost category uh, from that user (laughs) is for David. And he says, I applaud the the complete novelty of a dwarven (laughs) warlock soldier. How did this combination even appear? That is a excellent question. <laughs> I think I mentioned it too, either doing the the first behind the screens or a, a upcoming reckless attack. But Kaskrin Brightmane was actually like the the character build was actually not my idea. <laughs> it was Jonathan's, <laughs> and so we had we had done some playtesting of different characters when we were first starting this campaign and i made something that was like super dumb i i think what i made originally was a blood mage it was like a homebrew oh yeah that's like, oh my yeah, god i like forgot about that sanguine wow. like obliterator and it's just like this does not fit the tone this is not working at <laughs> and, all for me and and you could control f and find like yeah eight instances of the word viscera being used and i think once we all realized that we're all like you know i don't actually (laughs) i don't like i don't know about this one yeah there's there's a theme we're going for and i don't know what it is but this this is not it yeah (laughs) but then my brother had played this this warlock of the eternal citadel and as we were playing these characters i was like that's really cool that's actually really fun where you know his whole point is he supports he buffs and he provides protection through temporary HP. And so uh, <laughs> my brother went on to play checkers and I just sort of glommed totally onto that, that concept. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, I, I actually, I like this. And so that was the initial shell. And the rest of the build kind of just fell into place. You know, when you have like a warlock chassis, you like mechanically, you either go one or three. And so Kaskrin's is going to three. And then the rest of it has sort of fluctuated around that. But mechanically, it made the most sense for him to be a dwarf. And then the soldier bit uh, honestly just fell in right at the last moment before we were about to record. You know, Nathan had been talking to us about all these character ideas and background concepts for, for months and months. And so I was really going back and forth between a couple of them and i think literally the day before we started recording for our first episode i was like he's a soldier there we go there there it is <laughs> yeah that makes sense now. he's a town guard yeah yeah he's just gonna be town guard kaskrin and you know i'm having a ton of fun with it so far i hope everyone else is and uh yeah our uh next question here is for jonathan and i think this uh the first part of this is a sentiment that is echoed by all of us and a lot of people out there in the twitterverse as well 
I love checkers, mango, and junior. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, correct. That, that, that is a correct statement. Uh, so the, the, the question is, did Nathan draw the line at three frogs, or were you just feeling lucky with this amount of hopping ambition? Uh, <laughs> um, that's a great question and a great sentiment, and I'm, I'm honestly just so happy and also just like surprised that people have like kind of latched onto this little like this little frog creature that i <laughs> has blossomed over the course of character gremlin creation. is i think the word you're yeah, looking for the chaos gremlin that has been created as a result of our collaborative word world building um so kind of going back to the whole character creation thing checkers originally was not a grung the only actual frog in the entire frog sack was mango actually to begin with checkers was originally going to be a lizard folk like just straight on mm-hmm. full lizard folk and then kind of as we talked and as we discussed the the characters and the campaign and the world, Checkers started taking on more like grung racial traits and like more things that I thought, oh, this would be fun for him to have. Let's, t- let's talk to Nathan about it. Until eventually it was just like, well, he's a grung. And also now he also has a grung familiar or a, a frog familiar. So um, it transformed basically from one to the full three frog stack that it is now. But that is to say the stack will not stop at three. No. No. Jonathan's been threatening me for some time. The the stack cannot stop at three. It cannot. (laughs) Physically, it will not be allowed to. Um, But I have plans for more frogs in the future. So. (laughs) The 2022 (laughs) Reckless Attack promise. Right. More frogs. (laughs) We're all going to come home from an adventure one day, and the (laughs) mushroom, like, cave will just be frogs. Every (laughs) mushroom, for every mushroom that is there, there will be a frog. They're toadstools. It's we can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have one more from Chase the Ghost, and this is this is mostly directed towards Nathan, but uh, anybody can chime in. And they say, I'm really curious about the origins of your narrative DMing. It is something so sleek and also so incredibly engaging with your players. When, do you think, did you start this style of storytelling? This is a really weird question for me to answer because I almost have a hard time thinking of of having a style, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and not in the Bruce Lee, my style is to have no style kind of thing, but just like, I don't know, I just sit down and I blab, right? But I think for me, something that I learned pretty early in my, in my D&D career, thanks to some really great DMs, specifically um, my other D&D Steve friend, Steve Townshend, who actually wrote for Wizards of the Coast and was was my first like real, real DM, taught me a lot of value in being present with the group and A, being ready to make sure that everyone's involved and everyone has their little moments. And that one of the best ways to do that is to specifically call on someone, <laughs> you know, like a, like a teacher at a classroom and calling out someone who's taking a nap, except not. But if specifically to be like, hey, you haven't had a chance to shine or to say something or to ask a question or to react. And so it's something I've tried to be very mindful of in terms of making sure that I am... I'm trying to pull in people as much as possible and keep them grounded in their characters as much as possible. Give them a chance to react because that's that's to me is what a great D&D character is, is a thing who can react to, to stimuli, basically, and express their characters and their opinions to to stimuli. So it's something I focus on a lot. And it's kind of evolved over the years, especially playing with this group of just like powerhouse rock star 
players that I have to now, you know, now it's now it evolves into talking about like, well, you know, what do you think your character their past history with this might be or what do you think you know when you were growing up what was your city was your city like this or is it reminding you like that and so it's just kind of evolved from hey how do you feel about this or what are you thinking about to using that to to world build to ground characters to ground players and to give players opportunities to contribute and shape things on top of the hopefully many other <laughs> you know times that they have that just in the course of a normal normal D adventure so i guess that's that is what i would say about my quote-unquote style <laughs> if there is one um and also just like i don't know cram cool shit in your games and uh make your uh players uh feel very good and also very sad um in a good consensual way and that's that's how i how i dm but i i'm curious what everyone else thinks about what my dming style is other than good g- good or bad i guess <laughs> Don't please no one say bad. Please. <laughs> no, I'm not I can't handle it. Bad. I just think it's I I like you Nathan I'm now trying to think of like your style of DMing cuz you're like one of three game masters or DMs I've had and everyone has right. tried to be very descriptive and everything. So it's just like, well, you do a great job and I I like the world you build and you're good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's it's fun. I like it a lot. It's a good uh-huh. time. Yeah, I one of the things I really appreciate about it is that you give us the players the agency to kind of also describe what is going on mm-hmm. in your world. So, for instance, you know, to th- small things to be like, you know, what the wagons look like and, and where we are and what we're how we're like, you know, sitting as, uh, atop specific types of wagons to things like the guild hall where we were able to say, hey, there is a there is a garden on the roof of the guild hall or there is a meditation pond outside and there's also a, a garden out there that is mostly filled with you know mushrooms and, yeah. and 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 that kind of thing so we feel that we are creating this world kind of along with you and also that gives you a break of having to come up with absolutely everything Definitely. and you're just like you're just like Steve what does Selv actually see when he walks outside you know mm-hmm. instead yeah. of instead of you having to figure out exactly what self sees. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I really do enjoy that. It's been really nice to get to do that and to have players who will pick up that baton and also be comfortable being like, "Eh, I don't have anything (laughs) and that being fine too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think for me, the role of a dungeon master is to keep everyone engaged and having fun, keep it a positive experience, but also to ultimately put stuff in the game that your players enjoy right and that like that they can react to and that is fun whether it's painful fun or dramatic fun or just fun fun and you know what's a really freaking easy way to do that is just ask your players hey what do you want in the game and let's put it in there um and what kind of themes and that sort of thing it doesn't work for everyone you have to have a group that understands your tone and the tone of everyone else and then even then sometimes we get it wrong but we get it right a lot more more than we don't and it's it's a real real pleasure and privilege to have to be able to to kind of use that tool so sophie there is a question here for you from our good friend countess cassie yeah cassie, cassie. Hi, cassie. and uh, cassie would like to know when is sophie doing her puzzle stream <laughs> the people need to know Sophie. yes important questions 
Well, my uh, version one of the overhead puzzle cam has unfortunately been scrapped as it has <laughs> oh, no. a major oh, no. flaw in it is that anytime I touch the table, the camera shakes because it's attached <laughs> to my stand. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, zero that tracks, zero that structural integrity. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Everyone would just get like seasick watching this yeah. thing. It would be bad. <laughs> so I have a plan to MacGyver an aerial camera. Oh my God. Um, this is the first one, time hearing of this. One I'm day, so invested. you're all going to come over to the podcast room. And there's going to be a lot of stuff on the ceiling. And you just <laughs> can't ask any questions. On the ceiling. I have plans. I just haven't had time to enact them. But okay, when I, need, I figure I need out the three puzzle you to control these three drones that yeah, are right? into doing them that are holding a camera I mean, above mm-hmm. the board. Yep. You know, hey, everyone subscribe to our Patreon and uh, we'll we'll make uh, puzzle drones yeah. uh, <laughs> next year. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I have the puzzle picked out. It's delightful. It looks like a dungeon crawl. I think it's called like. Oh, it's so cute. What? I love it so much. Apparently, David was looking at the like image and it's about a little girl who wants to be a frog. I didn't realize that. When yes, I it, it is. <laughs> no, no, yes, it is. Yes. You, you were telling me that. Yeah. So perfect. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, it's really, it's just adorable. Um, but yeah, we have a we have a Twitch stream now. What's the channel name, Sophie? Reckless Attack Studios, not yes. Studio. I typed it in wrong first time. <laughs> we have studios, multiple plural. studios. And we don't have any immediate plans other than we will be doing puzzle streams at some point. But, mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, if you want to throw, you know, throw a follow over that direction, feel free to or reach out to us on Twitter or whatever to be like, hey, I would like to do that. I would like to listen or watch that or watch something something else happen. So stay tuned. So this next question got asked by a, a few different people. Many people. And, uh, many people. Okay, I stand corrected. And, um, <laughs> and it, this was, uh, I, am, I am thrilled by this question getting yes, asked correct. by multiple people. I, I think this is, uh, this is another one we can check off of our reckless attack bucket list uh, yes. that we have. <laughs> but the question is, do you accept guests? It is, like you said, unbelievably it's crazy like right i i don't know if i i feel like i can probably speak for everyone that that's an insane thing for us to to hear like uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah that yeah, people definitely. people out there want to play with us is, <laughs> right? is, is nuts yeah is 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 wondrous and unbelievable and well we know we think we're fun but we that other people delights. think we're right, surprised we're a delight. still that other people think so <laughs> right exactly exactly I'm not over that part of it and let alone no. people want to come play with us Right. Uh, but so so the short answer is that right now we are not. We don't have any immediate plans for that. We definitely want to long term be a place where we can show off talents of people across the tabletop role playing game uh, sphere and beyond. And we're doing that a little bit with Reckless of Talk, but we're making sure that what we're doing is is sustainable and is quality and is all these other things kind of first and foremost before stretching ourselves out and inviting more people in and that kind of stuff. So really comes down to just making sure that we keep our sanity and that we keep it sustainable and and still good and still our focus being the podcast, Reckless Attack podcast. We'll see. We'll stay tuned. Uh, again, keep listening. Keep sharing it with your friends. And one day we will become the podcast empire that those who want to guest on our show uh, want us to be. But for now, for now, it's just just the five of us. 
Yes, but by all means, every so often, keep asking. I, <laughs> I, I'm not. I, I am not going to get tired of that question of seeing that question pop up because that that just it, it really it ma- it makes my day. <laughs> Our next question is is a combination of uh, questions that we had gotten from the Double DM podcast as well as Power Word Play the actual play stream and the question is what is your favorite and or the best tabletop snack or drink Ooh, okay wait is it while like recording or normally no snacks are allowed when <laughs> recording okay. so it's clearly when we're not playing reckless attack <laughs> yes yeah we made it very clear as as sophie i think sophie captured also my feelings around any amount of snacking close to mics or near mm-hmm. mics or anything is well, there, no, there, God, no. There yeah. was that one time in our previous campaign where I, which oh, I had yeah. a bad day and I brought an entire bar of chocolate to the table. And then there's just like this, <laughs> this foil. Oh, yeah, I got picked up. Because our mics are very good. And I'm, and like Nathan just made us stop and I wrapped up with it, chocolate. Well, if, we were like I, sharing so it too. I forgot that. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, we were if passing it yeah. We were sharing. It was just like, just like crinkle, crinkle. Yeah, absolutely. It, was, it, it it sounded like there was a campfire going. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. While everybody was talking, it was just. <laughs> yeah, we joked about it being the start of our Foley work career, where like unwrapping that was, you know, capturing some natural sounds. I want to say the best tabletop snack is like ruffles, like ruffles potato chips. And that's not mm. only because I want some right now as we're recording. <laughs> they are objectively the best. Whoo. I will only agree to that if there is French's onion dip involved. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. that's Chip, the only time I will actually yeah. eat ruffles. My vote is, and I'm just thinking about this now because I, I also do want some, but I want peanut M and M's. Yeah, like a big bowl of peanut M and M's in the center, or like milk chocolate peanuts. Oh yeah, get That'd out be of here with your nuts. <laughs> yeah, I know Sophie's allergic, so we can't we can't do that. But I mean, I'm um, allergic to tree nuts. True. But anytime so. I eat a peanut, my body's like, you should die. Yes. <laughs> you should be dead. <laughs> Let's err on the side of caution and kill you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mine. So uh, out of out of our group, I've been playing tabletop RPGs the longest. So I have progressed through a whole series of snack and or drink foods. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I've been through the whole Cheetos and the character sheet knuckle grab because <laughs> you have orange stuff all over your fingers. But most recently, I think my my favorite snack while gaming is probably Gardettos. Ooh. That's a good one. And favorite drink, uh, I tend to stick with diet pop of some kind. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of the Diet Dr. Pepper. That's just because it tastes more like regular Dr. Pepper, <laughs> as, as the ad has told me. But uh, however, I've, I have also played with people that, and I... I kid you not that this has actually happened. One of my friends, a very, very long time ago, when uh, when we were all younger and our bodies could handle this, <laughs> um, he took those enormous, uh, what were they, like two-foot-long pixie sticks? <laughs> no. Uh, he took no, gra- just already grape- know. Yeah, he, t- he took the grape-flavored pixie stick and he dumped it into his can of Pepsi. No, Why? it was can. Uh, can of Pepsi. Can? Yes, can. And, <laughs> it fits? 
and, well, it, it it fizzes a lot, but eventually, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and just the um, the the amount of of sugar that is in that particular combination oh. is just I. My uh, jaw is locking up just yeah. about this. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I will uh, I will never forget that. And uh, I love you, Pete, if you're listening. <laughs> but that was that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen happen. I love you, Pete. Table. I hope you're alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it still have all of your feet and extremities. Yeah, we, we are we are still we are still friends. I've known him for you know twenty <laughs> plus years. But that was that was one of those things where I was like I was like uh, that would that would kill me. Like yeah. I, I'm not even sure about being in the same room with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Really quick, my I I would legendarily when I wasn't DMing both for you know posterity and around a bunch of electrical equipment and also around a much more cramped space would always have a glass of water, a tiny splash of coffee with some almond milk, and then a beer all at the D and D table all at the same time, and then would just take tiny swigs of all of them to balance all of the chemicals in my body, <laughs> and that was my like. DMing state, yeah, that, that um, buzz, and then, uh, but I don't, that, I don't anymore. I just hide some water off in the corner, and I think I have two favorite snacks. I used to be part of a game that was at someone's house, and they would always have cool, fun snacks. And I think it's a classic pretzel. I always mm. like pretzels are always great, especially if you're not not on mics. But that nice little bit of saltiness, a lot of you know that kind of stuff. And one time there was like cheese and crackers. And ooh, that was a fun way to do it because it was a little classy, mm-hmm. some different combinations, but it also wasn't too, too, too messy. Yeah, so, that sounds good. That sounds mm, good. And it, you know, stuck with you a little longer. We should do like a classy D&D stream where we've got like wine and like a charcuterie board. And we're also <laughs> like just playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, with, uh, with obviously with a monocle. Oh yeah, yes. obviously. Like I got, I got to suit up. I got to get like the tie and everything. Uh, I'll commit to one tuxedo T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think my perfect snack. I haven't thought of a savory one just yet. I would know I would want mm. one. Cheese and crackers. As a Wisconsinite, I'm very attached. Yeah, true. And I would it's want good. Merck's spreadable cheddar, but that's just very messy at the table. Mm. So I don't think that'd be my perfect snack. Yeah, another good one along those lines that I really enjoy are the peanut butter filled pretzels. Oh, those Ooh, are good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Little mm-hmm. like like bite sized things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Princeton flea market beef sticks. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the Zangs know what I'm talking about. I go once mm-hmm. a year to this flea market in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, and spend a hundred dollars on beef sticks, and that's They're not great. even an exaggeration. <laughs> uh, so those. And then Jonathan's snickerdoodle cookies. Because that's oh, like... yeah. That's true. Those are cookies that are, you still get that sweetness, but you're not going to have a sugar headache mm-hmm. at the end of the night. That's true. Those are good I cookies. used to... I used to bake a lot. I was going to say, uh, I was for, about to call you out. Yeah, <laughs> for our D&D night. So like, you know, a couple years ago, I'd bring like, you know, snacks and treats and cookies to every single one of our, our game nights. I brought a plate of churros once. That was oh great. God, that was so good. That was really good. Yeah. I brought like a straight up just like chocolate cheesecake that I'd made. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Th- that's the hold on. I think I think as I recall, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of revisionist history, Jonathan, because mm-hmm. as uh-huh. I recall, it was Stuff like, ooh, I made a whole cheesecake, and wait, I can't eat a whole cheesecake. Yeah, right. I guess I'm offloading it. 
on on these other saps around That's the true. D&D table. That is very true. You that did is... bake for us yeah. and baked it and then brought it to us. I, I want separate I have made it and you all are legally obligated to eat yeah. right. <laughs> to eat this. Yeah. But that was a good time. I should bake more. So curse you, microphones, for preventing yeah, right. us from snacking. Yes, yeah. sweets <laughs> at the table as a result of this. It's probably good for us, though. True. Yeah, in the long run, yes. I'm, I'm sure that it's better. Because the only thing we're allowed to really have at the table now is a glass of water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're yep. allowed to have other types of liquids. <laughs> it's just we all choose water primarily. Sometimes Nathan and I have beer. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. So uh, a question from Play Nerd Allies. Yeah. Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely streaming and much more outfit. Yes. Uh, for Nathan, what is the best beard oil? <laughs> uh, I am, I'm actually in the market right now. I do a lot of conditioning and whatnot. Uh, as I understand it, a lot of beard oils are essentially similar in a lot of ways other than scents. So if anyone has recommendations or better yet, if anyone wants me to shill their product for them um, and sponsor the podcast, uh, hit hit your boy up on, on Twitter. Good answer. Good answer. I will be happy to give a review for beard oil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sophie and I will do a joint beard oil review. So um, we're almost at the end. This one is from Angie. What has been your favorite part of the podcast experience? So for me, and I think I may have said this once before, but like my favorite part of the podcast experience is just seeing how people are reacting to the stuff that we're putting out there Mm -hmm. and just enjoying it. Yes. Yes. I think that's true for a lot of just like creative folks. But when you put your stuff out into the world and you see that people are interacting with it, that they like it, like the fan art has been just uh, incredible. I never thought in a million years that we would have like someone who enjoyed our stuff so much that they made fan art for us. Like that was so huge. But just got a fan fiction the other week. Yeah. Oh Oh my God. That was amazing. Yeah. That was, Mm -hmm. I love that. That that made my whole week just, Mm -hmm. and, and we have, we have people painting miniatures yeah. Oh, wait, of yes. our characters, I'm very excited like that, for the reveal. that blows me away. Right, like it's just, it's just so much. Like so much of why this is so enjoyable is just seeing how, seeing the joy that other people are getting from this. Yeah, that's a so. good way to say it. Because I'm s- still honestly blown away when it's not just you know us listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I have a less feel good answer for this. Oh, <laughs> no, I actually I love the logistics and the technical part of making a podcast. Like I love the audio engineering and the the business side of it and the the social media engagement like metric side of it. Like I think that's all really cool. <laughs> As the the inner nerd in me is just like yes numbers. That's how can I how can I optimize the frequency? This is where your number crunching went. Yeah, this is where your yeah. optimization went. Yeah. Not into Catherine, yeah. into the podcast. I'm going to measure the frequencies in my tiny room and and determine where to put sound canceling panels to best optimize for that. Like that's cool. That I I really enjoy that process. So get ready, everybody. David's gonna min max our podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What do you what do you mean is yeah, going right. to? Yeah. Been <laughs> oh, oh, no, since Nathan, 2019. You don't understand. It's for every level of the podcast. <sighs> That's that I, I am I am sure David has yet to uncover or or at least show us the next layer of minutia or whatever <laughs> that he, he is going to to refine to perfection, which is is so key in our in our in our quality and success. 
Yeah, we joke about it, but he does a lot. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> it, it is accurate. Like the reckless attack sound, a lot of it comes down to to David and his and his exhaustive work in making it all sound good and work well and and you know keep to a schedule and and everything. So yeah, absolutely. For me. I really do love the reaction. The fact that, that what we're doing brings joy to people is is the best thing I think any of us could have hoped. And that people not just are enjoying it, but are, are their lives are, are a little bit better and nicer for it is is wonderful. But I have I have really loved the experience of working with the whole crew of Reckless Attack. You know, we we were loose friends at best when we first started playing together in 2016 vomit um (laughs) and then we were good friends and kind of gaming friends for for a long time and even as we were kind of ramping up with the podcast stuff we've grown closer as as actual friends and as people and i you could lock me in a room with any of you and i would have a great time talking about whatever nonsense or any combination of you guys and it has been exclusively a really wonderful, positive experience and a very supportive place and a very safe feeling experience where everyone is cool to speak up and to say things and to be like, hey, I'm not feeling this or, oh, I would like more of that. And so that that has really been the fact that we have kept that kind of friendship and creator integrity at the core of it throughout the weirdness that is releasing six months of a moderately successful podcast is an incredible blessing and joy for me for certain too so we love you too nathan yeah yeah it's great you guys are the best i'm giving mm-hmm. you delightful even from behind the screen <laughs> so that brings us to our final question for this particular q a and this one comes to us from Live from the Apocalypse. They want to know which of the players would win in a battle royale. Players? The players? players or characters? So if, I, I clarified. It means players. Me, like the 100%. human yeah, people. I would 100% oh. win in a battle royale. Why? Why? Because I know all of your weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> I, Sophie, in a player battle royale would win Sophie hands is, down. is actually Batman has just been like planning <laughs> our downfalls for yeah. years <laughs> cut to cut to later tonight Sophie uh, you know moves around a bo- couple books on yeah. a bookshelf and then it swings open to her secret lair mm-hmm. where she goes through files of each of us like she does we every night each have our, what, we each have our own kryptonite <laughs> yeah <laughs> does it matter how much the Zangs weight lift how much you worship Thixius I would win <laughs> <laughs> well, I I I don't have any rebuttal to that, so I'll, right? I'll just say, you know, confidence is half the battle. You know, mm-hmm. if like boxing or whatever, there's like mm-hmm. the showdown at the way off and like the the mind games, and I think Sophie just won them. So like, <laughs> what 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 more could we have in that discussion? Well, so so there we go. Sophie would be the winner of the battle royale. <laughs> mm-hmm. That brings us to the end. Thank you all for listening. But please, you know, we're, we're happy to interact on social media. If you get a chance, you can drop us a line at reckless underscore attack. And, well, you know, pretty good chance we'll respond because we, yeah. we like most of the people that are out there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ruin it for us. Yeah. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank everyone. you. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Yep.
everyone. It's me, Nathan, again. Just wanted to thank you all once more for listening and to remind you all that the part two of our Q&A is available right now to our patrons. Get on over and subscribe today to hear it and tons of other amazing Patreon content, including behind the screen chats, published adventures, and more. See you here next week.